We're going to be in Luke today, and it is, once again, we're going to be real scripture heavy, um, but it's going to be in a, more of a form of a story. I'm going to use the Message Bible because I like the way it's worded, um, and I may stand up a little bit because I'm dealing with some sinus stuff, so I'm trying to like walk it off. When I sit down, it seems to be worse. <clears throat> so we're going to go through, we're going to start in Luke 8, 8, 8, 1, and we may get all the way through... 39, we may get that far, I don't know, we'll see. But um, before we get into it, I want to talk about briefly the kingdom to establish that, so we have that fresh on our minds, and then we'll go through. Um, And that scripture, stay in Luke, I'll just tell you the scripture, you can go back and check me if you want to. But Luke 13, 18 says, what is the kingdom of God like, what shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed which man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and all the birds perched on its branches. Again, he asked, what, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like the yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the dough. So keep in mind this, this, this idea of something small permeating something big. Keep in mind a small seed, a small amount of uh, yeast permeating a, a large amount of dough, and a small seed growing into a large tree where even the birds come and perch. So just keep that in the back of your mind as we go through this, um, because eventually that's kind of where we're going to work our way back to. But what's interesting is I heard a sermon uh, actually by Paul White that, that talked about this, and he, he went a little different direction than I did, that, that I got, but in the midst of him teaching, I caught something, and I do this a lot. Uh, some of the other pastors listen to, uh, Judah Smith and, and some of the other ones I listen to, it's funny, they'll, they'll touch on a subject, and their sermons are great, and they'll touch on a subject, and I'll go, wait a minute, that, there was something there. And I'll, I'll kind of gr- I'll gravitate towards that and begin to pray about that, and that's kind of what I did here. Um, and something that he focused on was a misinterpretation of one of the scriptures, and we, we might talk about it a little bit. But I want to go through the whole thing in context. And this is, you guys know my spiel about this. There are a lot of pastors that take things way out of context, and they use them to manipulate people and to push their own agenda sometimes, or some of them with really good intentions of just having people learn good moral lessons and live them out in their lives. So I'm not saying that they're all bad and, and, and thinking bad things. Some of them are really genuinely good and want people to, to know the Lord and to be good. But when you take some of these scriptures out of their context, because how many of you know that the, the numbers and all these things were put in here for us to find, right? These books weren't written with numbers on them. That's so that we can locate where it is. These are all written all in one, in one book, right? Each of these books were written as letters. So we're going to go through this, and that's why I'm saying it's kind of scripture-heavy. I'll try to run through it quick, and then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. But I want you to see it in its context, and it's so important to see all these scriptures in their context. But Luke 1, we'll start uh, Luke 8, 1. It says, he continued according to the plan, traveled, and I'm in the Message Bible. You can follow along in either one. I'll, I may go to NIV here in a minute, but um, in the Message Bible it says, he continued according to the plan, traveled to town after town, speaking of Jesus, village after village, preaching God's kingdom, spreading the message. The twelve were with him, so his disciples were with him. There were also some women in their company who had been healed of various evil afflictions and illnesses. Mary, the one called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, wife of uh, Cusa, Herod's manager. And Susanna, along with many many others who used their considerable means to provide for the company. So why is this important? This seems like a detail that didn't necessarily need to be there. But it is because it's, it's opening the story of what's going on. Jesus is traveling, right? He's going from town to town. 
He's healing people. He's preaching. He's talking to people. He's, he's eating with people. He's doing all these things. And it's telling you who's with him. He's got his 12 disciples with him and other people. Okay? So that's where we are. So we're painting the picture of what's going on. Now we're going to continue. As he went from town to town, a lot of people joined and traveled along. So what's happening is he's walking. He's got his 12 disciples. He's got these other ladies that are with him that are helping kind of financially support him so he can continue his mission, which is awesome uh, that, that they did that. And so out of their great means, they were able to help him do these things. So as he's going, so there's more people added. It's like this, uh, it's like this large group, this big gang, yeah, just like coming through town, you know. Um, and so all these people are added to him because for some of them they think he might be a celebrity. For some of them they think, well, maybe he's the Messiah, maybe he's not. Some of them think he is, you know, he is definitely is the Messiah. And so there's lots of different people, right? These all aren't the same types of people. Can we can we establish that? So I can imagine it would be like us in Mobile. There's lots of different types of people in Mobile. Jesus is coming through town. People hear about him. Somebody tweeted about him or somebody posted an Instagram picture of him healing somebody or whatever. And you have this, this large group of people, all different, all different backgrounds, some church, some unchurch, some religious, some non-religious. So you have lots of diversity, okay? So these are the people that are coming. He's got his 12 disciples, his close people that are with him, which would be us. No, I'm just kidding. Ha, ha, ha. So he has his, his close, his 12 disciples that are with him, um, and they travel alongside. So as he went downtown, town, a lot of people joined and traveled along. He addressed them. Using this story, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Some of it fell on the road. It was trampled down, and the birds ate it. Other seed, fell, uh, other seed fell in the gravel. It sprouted but withered because it didn't have good roots. Other seed fell in the weeds. The weeds grew with it and strangled it. Other seed fell in rich earth and produced a bumper crop, a large crop. Are you listening to this, really listening? Now listen, his disciples asked, why? His disciples asked, why did you tell this story? He said, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. There are others who need stories. Now, we're going to stop right there briefly. His disciples are asking him why he's telling the story. Why are you telling us this? And he tells them, listen, you guys get it. <laughs> Even though sometimes I wonder. You guys get it. But other people don't get it, and so I tell stories so they can understand it. So he's not hiding things. He's trying to help them discover things. Does that make sense? He's not hiding things from them. He's telling them stories so that they can relate to it similar, similarly to the way that we do things. So there are those who need stories, but even with stories, some of them aren't going to get it. Their eyes are open but don't see a thing. Their ears are open but don't hear a thing. And he's talking about a, a prophecy from the Old Covenant and the Old Testament. Verse 11 says, this story is about some of those people. Okay? The seed is the word of God. The, seed on the, the seeds on the road are those who hear the word, but no sooner do they hear it than the devil snatches it from them so they won't believe and be saved. Verse 13, the seeds in the gravel are those who hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. It's only another fad, and the moment, and the moment there's trouble, it's gone. Verse 14, and the, the seed that fell in the weeds, well, these are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it as they go about living their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money, and having fun. Now, he doesn't say they go about their lives um, as though they should feel guilty about tomorrow, having money or having fun. He's saying worrying. Worrying is a key word there. But the seed in the good earth, tell them I said what's up. No, you're right. <laughs> tell them about the seed. But the, <laughs> but the seed in the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on to it no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. Now think about this. The disciples asked a question. What did they ask in the beginning? Did they ask how? They didn't ask how. They didn't ask where. They asked why. 
And this is, this is the key of what we're going to talk about today. They ask, why are you telling us this? And here is the answer at the end. The seed that, that lands on the good soil is there no matter what, and it sticks out and it produces a harvest. It produces something. I want to stop there. Well, I will stop there. I want to, I want to read all this in context. I'll come back to there. We're going to continue going. He's continuing the same. He's, he's continuing on. No one lights a lamp and then covers it, covers it with a wash tub or shoves it under the bed. No, you set it up on a lampstand so those who enter the room can see their way. We're not keeping secrets. We're not telling... We're not keeping secrets, we're telling them. We're not hiding things, we're bringing everything out in the open. So be careful that you don't become misers, basically stingy, of what you hear. Generosity begets generosity, uh, stinginess impoverishes or makes you poor. Now, this was the sermon that Paul kind of touched, or this was the, the scripture that Paul kind of touched on that's been taken way out of context. So I'll, I'll read it from NIV so you can hear it in the way that it may have been preached to you incorrectly. Um, it's verse 13, it says, No one lights a lamp and hides it under a jar, puts it under a bed, instead he puts it on a stand. So that those who come can see, see the light, for there is nothing. Listen to this. How many of you have heard this? <laughs> for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. How many of you have heard that talking about your sin? Have, completely out of context there. It's not at all what he's talking about. But how many of you have heard that? Nothing's, gonna, nothing's hidden that we're not going to find out, basically. Yeah. I got eyes everywhere, man. I'm going to find you. That's not, look at the context of what he's talking. He's continuing from the, from the whole parable that he just taught about the kingdom, and he's continuing to talk about light. He's talking about the kingdom again. Listen, this isn't something that we hide. This is something that we display and we show others. This isn't something that we hoard and we keep speaking to a lot of, of the ones that were doing that, that were putting up blocks and weren't letting people in, and you had to be, act a certain way and do a certain things to come in here. He was speaking to people that really could understand this. And so he goes on to say, uh, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does does not have. Even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. He's basically talking about um, the Jews who were, who were still steeped in Judaism. They, were, they had their backup plan. He was saying, look, even what you have is not going to work out. Every, I'm everything, basically, is what he was saying. Anyone who gets me gets everything. And it doesn't matter your, your financial status. It doesn't matter your, your great historical background or your religious background, it's for the Gentiles just like the Jews, it's for everybody. So he goes on, and he's continuing here, he's, he's, he's continuing to teach here, he says, his mother and brothers showed up, but couldn't get through to him because of the crowd. He was given the message, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are the ones who hear and do God's word. So what is he saying here? He's continuing the same thought about the kingdom. Listen, it's not limited to just certain people. Even the least of these, he even talks about the least of these in this new covenant are greater than John the Baptist. He's saying the same thing here. My mother, I love my mother and brothers, but all of you are my mother and brothers too. We're family. This, this is greater than a hierarchy or a status. I keep thinking there's something up there. Um, saying, look, all of, all of you are my mother and brothers. It's, there's no difference. It's bigger than that. Verse 22, one day he and his disciples got in a boat, so maybe like the next day or, or one of the days following. But he's continuing in this story. Let's cross the lake, he said. So Jesus tells him, we're going to cross the lake. And off they went. It was smooth sailing, and he fell asleep. A terrific storm came up suddenly on the lake. Water poured in, and they were about to capsize. They woke Jesus. Master, master, we're going to drown. Getting to his feet, he told the wind, silence, and the waves quiet down. So he's demonstrating he controls even nature. They did. <laughs> They listened to him, basically. 
The lake became smooth as glass and the winds died down. Then he said to his disciples, why can't you trust me? They were in absolute awe, staggered and stammered. Who is this anyway? He calls out to the wind and sea and they do what he tells them. Verse 26, they sailed onto the country of uh, the Gerasenes directly opposite Galilee. As he stepped out onto land, a madman from town met him. He was a victim of, of demons. He hadn't worn clothes for a long time, nor lived at home. He lived in the cemetery. When he saw Jesus, he screamed, fell before him, and bellowed, What business do you have messing with me? You're Jesus, son of the high God, but don't give me a hard time. The man said this because Jesus had, starting to, had started to order the unclean spirits out of him. Time after time, the demon threw the man into convulsions. He had been placed under constant guard and tied with chains and shackles, but crazed and driven wild by the demon, he would shatter the shackles. Jesus asked him, What is your name? It says in message mob, but everybody knows his legion. Uh, my name is Legion, he said, because many demons afflicted him. And they begged Jesus desperately not to order them to the bottomless pit. A large herd of pigs was, bra- was browsing and rooting on a nearby hill. The demons begged Jesus to order them into the pigs. He gave the order and, it, and was even worse for the pigs than for the man. So he's demonstrating here he controls spiritual things as well, not just physical. So he's demonstrating how really powerful he is. Um, and so... Crazed, they they stampeded over a cliff into the lake and drowned. Those tending the pigs, scared to death, bolted (laughs) and told their story in town. Can you imagine? Picture, let's let's look at the scene. Crazy naked man (laughs) comes to meet them, yeah, and they're screaming back and forth, and then they convince Jesus to cast them into some pigs, which, by the way, was their their, um, sacrificial system was sacrificing pigs. So basically Jesus took out their whole sacrificial crop messed them up on many different levels. So they were definitely afraid. This dude came in and shook some things up. So they bolted. <laughs> so they were saying the pigs, scared to death, bolted and told their story in town and country. People went out to see what had happened. They came to see Jesus and found a man whom the demons had been sent, sitting there at Jesus' feet, wearing decent clothes and making sense. The NIV and, and other versions say he was sitting in his right mind, clothed and in his right mind. It was a holy moment. And for a short time, they were more reverent than curious than those who had seen it happen told how the the demoniac had been saved. Later, a great many people from the uh, Gezerine countryside got together and asked Jesus to leave. Too much changed, too fast, and they were scared. So Jesus got back into the boat and set off. Now listen to this. The man whom he had delivered from the demons asked to go with him, asked to go with Jesus. Now stop here for a minute. That seems like a pretty normal thing. There were many other people that had done that and there was no issue, obviously, because Jesus had his 12 disciples. He actually asked them to follow him and then we go all the way back to the beginning of the story. This, this is continuing on. So there's already a group of people following him. But listen to what Jesus does. He says, hey, I want to go with you. But Jesus sends him back saying, go home and tell everything God did in you. So he went back and preached all over the town everything that Jesus had done in him. Now think about this for a minute. What I want to talk about and kind of focus on, I know there's a lot of little things that I'm, I'm getting through, but we ask a lot of questions, and I've been struggling with this all week, and, and as I travel, I pray a lot, and I listen to a lot of sermons, and I worship, and I do all the things, you know, as much as I can do in my truck while I'm driving without wrecking. <laughs> and what, I've, what I feel and what I've wanted to kind of post all week, but I was like, I should probably preach this since I'm a preacher instead of just posting it, is we ask a lot of questions, and we ask a real common one is, where does God want me? Where, what is my purpose? Where does God want me? Where am I going? 
And we pray for these things, especially young people, and, and thinking of, uh, of Megan and Patrick, too, going into college or, or graduating from college and going to the workplace, and I'm sure they're going to have decisions to make, and all of us have these decisions. And we, I know we all desperately want the sky to crack and a Morgan Freeman-type voice to say, take the job at Chick-fil-A or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> we want desperately to have a clear and crisp understanding of what our lives are doing and what we're supposed to be doing, right? Is that fair to say? Wouldn't that be pretty cool <laughs> and easy? But that doesn't always happen. It's not always that crystal clear. And here, here is what I'm thinking. I think it's because we're asking the wrong questions. I think we're asking, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to do it? What we should be asking is why. We should be asking why. Now, here's why I say that. We're going to go back and we're going to go through this. And we're going to see, hopefully, how this kind of unfolds. Jesus goes through this whole story about the seeds and how different people have different reactions to the gospel, the good news, the word. Some of them think it's pretty cool and they like it. I equate it to going through... Um, the freezer aisle and checking something out and then putting it back, right? This looks pretty good. I'm not fully convinced. Or, t- or taking a sample at Costco. Eh. Some of it, you're like, yes, I'll take like 10 of those because I don't know what you did. Maybe I'm just hungry. But it's, it's equivalent to that. You, you, you take it, you try it, you're not too sure, and you put it back. You're not, you're not cool with that. And so there's lots of different levels we can go through that. And I know some people will, will try to get into a debate about once saved, always saved, and not with this scripture. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. I don't see Jesus hiding something so, so big um, as eternal security in this parable, especially in the context that he's teaching. I think he's talking about the kingdom throughout this whole thing, and I think he's explaining the why. And here's why I say that. He goes through that whole story about who these people are and how they react to the gospel. At the very end, verse 15, um, in Luke 8 again, it says, The seed on the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word, held on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. I think that's the key right there. The why. Why do we do the things that we do? We always talk about our want to in here. Well, I want to talk about why we want to. Do you want to, do you want to grow nearer to God so that you can be happier? That seems like a pretty okay thing. Now, I say that you will be happier if you're closer to God. That's a good byproduct of it. But the whole, the whole purpose of Christianity and everything that Jesus came to do was serve, Right? So the result of us knowing him is always going to be reaching out to other people. So the people that really got it produce a harvest. How do they produce a harvest? Their hearts are on the why. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we make the decisions that we make? Not always how or where, because this is another issue I think we run into. I'm, currently, I'm in a weird position with work and church and life and taking on some extra financial things going on that we're trying to work out, and it's stressful. I'm just being straight, not like I'm always honest, but I'm being honest. <laughs> I hope I'm honest all the time. Um, but there, it would be nice if I could just have all the things that I need done done already, but they're not. Have you ever been there? <laughs> One of them is something that was supposed to have been done three weeks ago has, has gone on three extra weeks that, that has got basically our whole lives on hold right now. And I speak from my experience because I know it. You guys have all kinds of different things going on, but I think you can relate to that. There are things that we want to get done now that aren't done, that we want them to be done. But here's, here's the key. Why? Why is this so important? Because I have to look past my circumstances and see how God's working in the midst of them. I think that you will rob yourself of genuine... Let me see how I can wear this of genuine 
experience with people in the Holy Spirit if you pray for God to take you out of the circumstance that you're in. The reason I say that is because if you say, Lord, take this person out of my life that's getting on my nerves or take this situation out of my life that's pulling me down, you're basically saying, Holy Spirit, don't lead me to do what I'm supposed to be doing. I know that stings a little bit because it stings me. But I'm telling you between, I mean, we're, we're all still human in here, right? None of y'all have, I, I joke around about uh, my friend Dana Watson. He's got his master's in divinity. And so he's in my phone. He's also getting his PhD. But he's in my phone as Dr. Dana Watson, master of the divine. <laughs> and I always tell him, I'm like, you're done, man. I don't know what else there is to do. You've mastered the divine. You're game over. I don't know what else you need. But we're all still human here, and we all still hurt. We all still feel the struggles from finances, from family, from emotions, from all the things that we deal with as humans, right? Right. And you rob yourself of the experience if you, if you pray for God to take you out of it. I think you pray for God to take you out of the situation instead of praying his kingdom to come through you in that situation. Right. And I think that's the difference in the parable of the ones that everything was choked out and the birds came and snatched up, which the birds are always a representation of, of evil, which is really cool because he says that we're going to be a tree with branches that the birds can come and perch on. I think that's a beautiful image of that. You will become this tree. Now, here's, here's where I want to get with this, too. Go back to what we talked about in the beginning, the dough and the tree, the seed. Think about how long it takes for a tree to grow. Let that sink in a minute. I'm going to give you an interesting fact that I just learned this morning about yeast. <laughs> yeast is a single-cell organism part of the fungi kingdom. Look, even secular world knows it's a kingdom principle. The yeast we, the yeast we use, I thought it was clever. The yeast we use most often today, Saccharomyces or is one, I can't say it, so, is one of the oldest domesticated organisms known to mankind. It's been helping humans bake bread and brew alcohol for thousands of years. Calm down. The yeast we use today is 200 times faster than the wild yeast used in the past. So think about waiting for Emily's fresh yeast rolls and how impatient we are. Because you have to wait for them to rise before, right? That's 200 times faster than what they were talking about. And, she's t- and, they, and the, the scripture tells us specifically 60 pounds of the stuff. It's a lot. If you've seen that much dough, that's a lot of dough. At the same time, I think what he's teaching us here is not just perseverance, although that's part of it, but it's patience as well. Guess how you get patience? (laughs) Patience is what? A fruit? It's a fruit of the Spirit, right? Peace, patience, love. Huh? Yeah, we already have it. But where's it found? It's found inside of us, found in our heart through Christ. Here's a it's a it's a crazy cycle. This tree this 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 spiritual tree essentially that's growing in us is producing the fruit that we need so that we can help those people. This is the imagery that, it's, that he's trying to show us is like, look, hold on, hold on to this truth. Don't let go of it. This isn't where, this isn't how, this is why. Why are you doing these things? So that you can become this tree so that all the birds can come and rest on your branches. Why are you doing the things that you do? Is it so that you can be holier? 
can you be any more holy than with Christ? Was, was his sacrifice not enough? Do we need more? This is where I get into a lot of, and I've seen people on social media too, with a lot of apologetics. Be careful of apologetics because you can make apologetics and doctrine your God, essentially. Say, okay, this certain belief system or this certain new thing that I've learned is bringing people to know the Lord. Well, I thought Christ did that. I thought the Holy Spirit did that. Be very careful with that. Because it is by the Holy Spirit that he attracts us, and it is by the Holy Spirit that we, hit, we get that fruit of what? Patience, love. What does the Bible tell us? It's in John, I think I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah, John thirteen thirty five. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, the kingdom works. There may be different ways that we receive it, but the kingdom's always going to work. It's going to do its work in people. So we talk about here that the three things we do is we plant, we scatter the seed, we water, and we enjoy the fruit. We enjoy the, the, uh, the reward, which is relationship, relationship with God and relationship with people. We, we, and I, I know I sound like a, continue to say the same thing. Don't put heaven off so far away because he, he deposited heaven in your heart. The power of the kingdom of heaven is in your heart. If you think it's really far away, then how are you going to access it and how are you going to bring other people to it? How? How are you going to have the confidence that you can lead them at all if you think that heaven's some faraway place? He says right there, heaven's like a seed. Heaven's like yeast. Heaven's like not just a place, but it's, it's something bigger and more powerful than you can quantify. So we'll just call it a seed. And in doing so, it works its way through everything, and it's going to work its way through everything. And guess what? That doesn't happen instantly all the time. It takes time. And so it's produced in us in having this knowledge, not just the knowledge, but the Holy Spirit to remind us all the time. Because remember, Jesus didn't come to live in our minds, right? He came to live in our hearts. And so when he renews our minds, he reminds us of who we are. He reminds us of that seed that was planted, and it hasn't gone anywhere, and it's continuing to permeate. It's continuing to work its way through the dough, and it's beginning to rise up in you more and more and more and more every day. Every day. Yeah. Straight up. Every day it's beginning to, to produce more in you. That's the reality that you're in. And if there's anything that's more encouraging, I can't imagine anything more encouraging than um, the last few people, the last few families that have joined our church all have the same, basically similar testimony of how they ended up here. And it was, they were led by the Holy Spirit and they felt a peace and a love in this place. There, there is... There is no more honoring thing that you could give me as a pastor than that right there. Now, if they had came in here and said, you know, I really enjoy your preaching, I'd be okay with that. But if they came in here and said, I really enjoy your preaching and I really enjoy the, the style of worship, then I would say, that's awesome, but let's, let's, let's talk about this a little bit because that's not, that's not what we're about. We, I love our worship team. Um, I love that we, we preach truth in here and we teach, I think, the real gospel. Um, but I would rather people be drawn here by the Holy Spirit and by our love and compassion and peace that we carry and that we produce than anything outwardly that we express in our styles and in the different ways. So I want to encourage you, uh, stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you guys. I, I didn't really get all the way through, but guess what? I get next Sunday because I have, I have another Sunday. It comes around every once a week. <clears throat> but here's what I want to, I, I want to, I don't want to say I leave you with it. I want to send you with this this thought, and I pray that the Holy Spirit renews your mind every day of this. Every day, <laughs> sounds a little cliche, every day is a new day. I know, big surprise, everybody. 
Every day is a new day. But here's, here's what's cool. Every day you get a new opportunity to share this. And here's, here's what's cool. Listen, it's okay to just sit down and hang out with people. You don't have to be up on stage to manifest the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be... I'm going to keep preaching. Listen to me. You don't need a platform to do this. I want to encourage you. You do this at your workplace. Listen, if, if you don't hear the, the sky doesn't crack and that great Morgan Freeman voice doesn't come down and tell you to go here, it's okay. Pick the job that gives you the best benefits and that you can spend some time with your family and you can make a living. God's okay with that. He doesn't have to tell you specifically everything you need to do. And listen, he may tell you to go to a place that seems completely different than you think that you need to be because he needs you there so that you can minister to people. Listen, he may even bring you to a different church and may bring you to this church or may bring you from this church to another church so that you can minister to people, so you can plug in and you begin to, to build people up. You don't need a microphone. <laughs> I just want to encourage you for that. You go out of this place and you go out to eat. I always tell you, tip your waitress well, especially the ones that serve us. Tip them well. Pray for them. You can even pray out loud. It's okay. It might trip them out. We've done it before. It trips them out, but half, you, no, I say half the time, every time, <laughs> The Lord does something in them, whether one girl we prayed for at a restaurant, she just began to bawl and cry. She just had the worst day she had ever had, and she just didn't think she was going to make it through the day. We just, and it wasn't anything we did. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have some great revelation for her. I didn't teach her a lesson. I didn't preach her a sermon. I just prayed that the Lord would be with her and give her peace and, and love her. Anything else, listen, it's not hard. I know, here's the thing. I know most of you in here, I know that you genuinely care for people, and I know that that's not a difficult thing for you to do. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Remind yourself of that, what you carry and who you are. Because we forget. Listen, I forget last names half the time. It's okay. God can still use me. He can still use you. <laughs> that's, that's probably the most uh, good news you've heard in a while. So, Lord, I just, <clears throat> I just pray for everyone in this place, Father, that as, you, as, as they leave this place, Lord, that you would continue to renew their minds to your truth, to your heart to who you are in them, Father, and to who you are through them. Lord, the, I, the, the question that we ask as we go out of this place, Father, I, I hope that we continue to pray, why? Why, Lord, do you have me here? Why, Lord, am I doing this? Why is this going through? Not where do I need to go or how do I need to do it, Father, but just why do you have me here and what would you like me to do? Father, I, I, I thank you even for the adversity that we go through because in it you will be made known to the nations, Lord, in Mobile all the way to San Pedro Sula. In Jesus' name, amen.